We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 intro to fantasy football 2022. Where are the guys going? Who are the top 20 picks? What's the consensus right, right now? And where are mistakes being made? If you want to run your full customizable projections for free, I would head to runthesims.com. Type everything in. You just need an email address to go sign up. Save your projections along the way and make your own rankings and projections. Make it easy on yourself to get through all of that. Runthesims.com. If you missed out with me and Jake Seeley on the rookie running backs, the rookie wide receivers, you can just sub to Mayo Media Network or just hit the description. The links are down there. You can find them up on the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast as well rookie by rookie where they're going is that too high is that too low what are the expectations on these players heading into the year but we're going to swerve off Sealy today and go to the most accurate ranker in the world when it comes to fantasy football at least for last season and many of the past few seasons from ftn daily ftn fantasy and ftmbets.com dj jazzy jeff oh no not Ulrich. ratcliffe I'm gonna get it all my- I have so many people named Jeff on the show, Jeff. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's like I only know people named Jeff. But you're the only J Jeff. It's usually a G Jeff, which is because mm. in my real life, I just know J Jeffs. But apparently on this show, it gravitates towards G Jeffs. So I guess we can call them G offs and you can be Jeff. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, there was one point in my former employer where there were so many Jeffs at the company that we were calling it PF Jeff uh, at that company. I guess it's a common name. I got a basic bro name, uh, but I'll take it. 
I'll take it. I like it. So we're going to be going through the DraftKings best ball ADPs right now where early drafts are going. Do you like to draft this early? Because I hear a lot of people say it is a significant advantage for people who know what they're doing to get money down in these best ball drafts or even high stakes drafts for season long as early as possible because you have the information. You've already run your projections. You know where you want to see people go, where values are hidden right now, which may not exist two months from now when everyone gets caught up to speed or do you think it's like eh, i'd like to see some injuries play out first here no nah, i i never am worried about injuries injuries are going to be a part of the game no matter what we do uh people will say oh well, let's wait until the end of the preseason and have our draft well guys get hurt in practice too they get hurt it's part of the game so i do think that if you're a serious best ball player yeah you want to draft as early as possible you want to get ahead of the curve on the rookies you want to get uh, Ken Walker, you know, in the middle rounds as opposed to creeping up as he has been, guys like that. Also, though, if you're not somebody who plays best ball, you have more options than ever before, obviously, including DraftKings. And I, I think it's a great thing for practice, not a game, practice. Think about it. If you're in three home leagues and you've been in three home leagues for the last 10 years, you've done 30 drafts. You may have done mock drafts here or there where people come and show up and draft the first round and then bail and then you're drafting against a computer. You may have mock draft simulators where you are drafting against a computer, but you're not drafting against real people. And as we know, people are unpredictable. People do things that you just can't simulate in a computer. Best ball will allow you to do that. You've done 30 drafts over the last 30 years. You could do 30 drafts between April and September. You have that many more drafts under your belt so that by the time you show up your home leagues for a redraft league, you're a seasoned vet. You're not just some guy who shows up. You're not the golfer, Pat, who plays three times a year and shoots a buck 15 every time they, they show up. You actually get a little bit better in the process. And, and the game, just like any game, is more fun the better you are. And right now, it won't take a ton of time. You can make it take a ton of time. You open the DraftKings app right now, go to the Best Ball Lobby. There's a $3 tournament, 20 max, that's up there right now. And you, like Jeff said, you can use that as practice. You can make it quick on yourself. I just joined one, and we're ready to draft in about two minutes so if you want to get some action down get that practice in i highly recommend it too because you get to find those soft spots of the draft where everyone goes wide receiver you're like well maybe there is a running back or a tight end and can you structure your draft in different ways once you know there's so many unknowns and we talk about this, whether it's with daily fantasy sports, and it applies to both best ball and season long. We don't know what the outcomes are going to be for anyone. If we did, we wouldn't be doing this show. We would just be betting money and being billionaires. That's just as frank as I can tell you. We can have a good idea about projections, what may happen, but everything is a range of outcomes. And knowing what other people do, like ownership in DraftKings DFS contests, that is something that we have a much better idea on. That's why people talk about gaining leverage and ownership. And the same thing applies in best ball drafts. You can see what everyone is doing, what the consensus is doing. You have a good idea of what your opponents are going to do going into the draft. Well, Jeff, you can manipulate the draft in a way and structure your team in a way that just varies a little bit from that, where you can just pick up the most value in each round just by being a little bit different. Yeah, 100%. Uh, or going in with particular strategies that you know may be a bit contrarian. Uh, you know, I, I go always go back to 2016. It was a fascinating year just in fantasy football in general, but it was the year of zero RB. And it, unfortunately, was the year zero RB failed a lot of people, but 
I don't think that that necessarily was a fault of the strategy whatsoever. It was kind of two things. It was DeAndre Hopkins and Allen Robinson having down years and a lot of people having drafted both of those guys and everybody doing it. If everybody does something, it's not a strategy. It's the status quo. So yeah, you know, seeing what people are doing, you can establish uh, the points where you can pivot away, not pivot away just for the sake of being crazy, but pivot away being strategic, using game strategy to your advantage or game game theory to your advantage. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. Um, so studying the numbers, getting in there, drafting a bunch, it's going to help you out in, in immeasurably. And draft strategy really differs from your season-long head-to-head leagues or auctions versus something like best ball, where in most best ball tournaments, you're taking on tens of thousands of people. So the strategy alters even more so that you do need to be a little off-base if you want to rise to the very top and win those gigantic prize pools. Now, in season-long, you're competing against your 11 other friends, 9 other friends, 13 other friends. If you're real serious, you're 15 or 19 other pals getting into this. So so obviously you're not trying to beat 100,000 people. You're trying to beat 19 or nine, whatever it may be. But that doesn't mean that you should necessarily deviate from some of the same strategies because only one person can win. I think that people forget about that a lot of the time. Like when you're a drafter and you go in, are you looking for the most median base projection team that there is? Because it does seem like every single year leagues are won by the two or three outlier guys that just completely hit their 98th percentile projections like oh yeah I should have seen that coming now the downside might be zero but those sorts of players are the players that win fantasy championships well a lot of people who play fantasy football this is different than the DFS crowd the DFS crowd I think understands what projections are they're averages they're averages of a wide set of potential outcomes but a lot of casual fantasy players take them as gospel. Like, this is what he does. And the reality is that, you know, two guys who may project very similarly, one of them could be like a classic Jarvis Landry type without a high ceiling, and the other one could have an enormous ceiling. I'm going after the enormous ceiling. And, and Pat, I often find, like, for season-long players, they think opposite. They think, okay, I'm going to draft the, you know, the, the, the highest projected team, but probably pretty conservative. Then each week, I'm going to make these crazy aggressive swing for the fences, start sit decisions when it should be the opposite. Swing for the fences in your draft. And then play it by the book in season. You know, you're trying to score more points than your opponent, not have more upside than your opponent. You don't win for upside, you win for points. So, you know, it's it's that mindset. But yeah, I agree 100%. I'm going to take those guys who have the high ceiling. I'm going to be as aggressive as possible because those high ceilings, they may not always come to fruition, but when they do, you're absolutely dominating in the process. In terms of best ball on DraftKings especially, stacking up a quarterback with two to three pass catchers or even two quarterbacks with those like two single team stacks going forward has become just a very popular strategy, an effective strategy. Do you think that can apply to season long where you know, we used to talk about like double points 10 years ago? It's like, oh, you have a quarterback and a receiver on the same thing. Obviously, in daily fantasy, that translates perfectly because you want the most correlated lineup to achieve the highest upside possible. If one person's scoring points on your team, well, it'd be great if two guys were scoring points on your team for the same outcome possible. You're all working towards the same goal. Do you think that's a viable strategy for season-long fantasy football that, yeah, you might bomb some weeks, but if you're just playing wins and losses week to week, if you can get a piece of one of the top three offenses and really have the quarterback, two receivers, a receiver, and a tight end, and you just roll them out every week, 
Could you just dominate your league, be, have the best team, yet be like nine and five during the year, and just hopefully during the playoffs that team scores a lot of points? Yeah, well, if that team is the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> last year, then yeah, it would have worked well. I don't think it's a viable strategy for some teams, uh, some NFL teams. That is Buffalo, Kansas City. Some of it's just not doable because my my strategy in season long drafting is is different than in best ball. I'm not going to touch Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to touch Josh Allen. I'm not going to touch Justin Herbert. And before you go and unfollow me on Twitter because I'm an idiot, I can make up so much more ground in a one quarterback league by drafting later. You're going to get Derek Carr for a cheap price this year. And you can pair him up with a high upside guy later on like Trey Lance and not have to pay a second round price you're going to have to pay for Josh Allen, a third round price you're going to have to pay for Mahomes and maybe for Herbert, a fourth round price that you're going to have to pay for Kyler Murray and maybe Joe Burrow. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. The math doesn't add up there. However, in best ball, Pat, I, I have to get exposure to every one of those quarterbacks really to uh, to give myself the, the best possible potential of, of hopefully taking down a big prize, but if not, even taking down smaller prizes in the process. So the exposure becomes a really important thing where for a lot of folks in redraft leagues, like I said, what are you in two, three, four home leagues? You're not in many more than that. So exposure really doesn't ultimately matter as much there. Maybe a tiny bit if you're in four, but even then, it's not something I really pay attention to. But you have to be meticulous with that if you're going to be in 50 best balls, 100 best balls over the course of the year. Well, speaking of the late round QB, shout out JJ for that. Everyone should go check out. He has a guide out right now. Uh, so go follow late round QB on, or actually, is it late round QB or is it JJ Zacharyson on Twitter? Either way, you can find him. You probably already know. Nobody follow. can spell Zacharyson. So it's it's <laughs> at late round quarterback. That's right. Yes, that's right. That, that applied to old <laughs> Twitter. I remember talking to Paul about this when he first started, that he had Shaughnessy in his Twitter handle. I was like, you probably don't want to do that because it was eating up characters to begin with and no one knows how, how you spell that. That's going to be real difficult for people to both find you and tweet at you at the same time. Twitter, has, I feel like, has rectified a lot of those problems over the course of the past, you know, decade or so when it comes to user experience and discoverability in that fact. When you look at baseline projections, I'm looking at the Run the Sims baseline projections right now. It does have Josh Allen quarterback-wise, way ahead of the pack, 415 points to Patrick Mahomes, who's in second, at 380 points. That's a pretty substantial gap if everything like that plays out. Now, we know that's not going to exactly play out that way. The guy that we have projected 23rd will probably end up like third because there's always those weird outliers that come through. But on a points-per-game basis, that does feel rather significant. But then you have this, like, like you mentioned, this whole tier of guys, like two or even three through 13, that are really like two or three points-per-game difference if that and the ADPs do not reflect that whatsoever yeah it's an age-old story <laughs> you know the the argument that you used to get from a lot of folks is well quarterbacks score the most points and it's like yes but they all score the most points that's the difference between quarterback and say tight end where you're starting one in most leagues I know there's super flex leagues out there obviously and there's crazy leagues that start two tight ends which uh, man good good luck there but you can get what quarterback 20 is not that far away from quarterback five tight end 20 is light years behind tight end five. So it's a very different scenario there. So really it's not about how many points you score. It's how many points you score above the guy most likely to be on waivers and a quarterback, just given the depth of the position in a pass heavy NFL, that guy on waivers is still going to be relatively solid. 
And you're just not going to get that at the other position. So that's why it makes the most sense to just wait. JJ had it like years before the masses, but it, it's, it's a viable strategy that works quite well. And it's one of the easiest positions to replace throughout the course of the season. I think that's the other part that gets overlooked with all of that, that if your quarterback goes down, you know, there's, especially in a one quarterback league with 12 people, uh, most people aren't carrying backup QBs at this point. A few of the people in your league will. Some will carry four QBs because that's what people do from time to time. Not a sensible idea of roster construction, but some people are lazy and that's what they want to do. They want to have myriad choices throughout the course of the season on a week-to-week basis. But most of the time, listen, two in a spot start can be good. Anyone in the spot start can be good in the right matchup. <laughs> I mean, Tua could be better than that this year if everything works out the right way. I mean, he's got uh, obviously the the viable chemistry with Jalen Waddle that goes back to their college days. And then coming into the league, who was Jalen Waddle comp to Tyree kill. I mean, you know, you had that like annually, there's an Alabama guy comp to Tyree kill. So instead of getting these guys who comp to him, just get the archetype himself, the guy who you can put the ball in his hands and then he turns into a punt returner. And uh, people are making a lot about Tua's arm strength. Who cares? I mean, as, as far as I'm concerned, if Tua has like a seven yard a dot this year, fine he's going to be very accurate with that seven yard a dot. And those guys can do a lot after catch. You even have a tight end who's very capable after catch and Mike Gusecki. It's just a good setup for Tua. All he has to do is just be a little bit accurate and then let, let his guys do the damage. And I think they're going to do that. So yeah, Tua is, Tua is very draftable this year in one quarterback leagues. He's going to be a late round guy, but very, very draftable. And here's, you know, another example, you could pick him up late round, see what happens. If it doesn't work every year, there are, you know, Jalen Hurts types from two years ago emerging out of the woodwork at the end of the season. Every year there are guys who are surprises. Heck, Justin Herbert two years ago wasn't drafted in most one-quarterback leagues and then shows up and was an absolute monster in his rookie season. Surprise, but you jump on it at the right time, you capitalize, and then you're off to the races, and you did not have to spend your second round, your third round, your fourth round pick on the position. If your dad's a golfer, a golf fan, or if he appreciates a great scotch whiskey, Doors has the best gift idea ever, especially since the last day of the 122nd U.S. Open, is Father's Day. This year, ace Father's Day by giving dad a custom bottle of Doors with your own personalized message on the label. A gift this epic is fairly easy, too. Just visit Doers.com to draft a message. Doers will then mail your bottle or two free labels right to your door. As simple as that. You've just won gifting for pretty much forever. If you ask nice, Dad may even share a little with you after a round or two. Visit Doers.com right now and create a custom label that will make Dad's Day and help cement your reputation as gift-giving champion. From Doers, the official Scotch whiskey of the 122nd U.S. Open. If you're listening to me, you're probably not the smartest person going. That's why you've got to check out Titan. As everyday investors, the cards have been stacked against us. We've been given access to this marketplace of stocks, but we're competing against institutional investors with unlimited resources. We're simply told to invest in the S&P 500 and be happy with the conservative average. With Titan, you get access to similar strategies to those in the 1% without having to be ultra-wealthy or pay hefty fees. All it takes is $100 to get started. Deposit your money, select which of their portfolios you want to invest in, that's it. And now Titan's bringing their knowledge and expertly manage crypto portfolio. Let their team, who eats, sleeps, and breathes crypto, probably not good for your lungs, do the research and invest in this fast-growing asset class for you. 
Titan aims to grow your investments at least 15% annually net of fees, which means doubling your net wealth every single five years. I haven't had a chance to try Titan yet, but I have to say, sounds pretty awesome. Check out Titan if you want to aim to become the smartest, wealthiest investor you've ever been. So head to titan.com slash mayo to get $50 when you invest with Titan. You must go to this URL or you will not get that $50. They won't know that we sent you. That's $50 when you go to titan.com slash mayo and invest with Titan. This is a paid partnership with Titan. At the time of this publication, I am not yet invested in Titan strategies. Tua currently going pick number 126 in DraftKings Best Ball Leagues to kick everything off. Now, obviously, these ADPs are fluid. They're going to change a lot in three weeks' time, in two months' time. But we can only talk about the information provided right now. And this is the intro to the season. So here's where the guys are actually going this season. Pick number one is Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, Christian McCaffrey, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. That's the top five currently. Then you have... Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Travis Kelsey, Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams, Stephen Diggs, Joe Mixon, CeeDee Lamb, DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara, Debo Samuel, Mark Andrews, Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, and then you're into Josh Allen, Nick Chubb, Tyreek Hill, Saquon Barkley, and Javante Williams. Those are the first 25 players coming off the board in DraftKings Best Ball Drafts right now. If we circled back to the top, you talked about upside versus downside and swinging for the fences. It does feel like Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey are going to be those two guys right now. I was surprised to see McCaffrey still currently going ahead of Derrick Henry. Do you think that's going to translate to season-long teams? Or do you think they'll take the quote-unquote safer option with Henry because he's already returned from his injury and he's had even more time off to heal? Where that's now two straight years of Christian McCaffrey being hurt that he's a a liability. He's going to sink your team if you draft him, Jeff. Yeah, that's a complex question because Derrick Henry is also a 29-year-old running back who's coming off a very significant injury that cost him half the season. So I, I, I wouldn't really classify that as safe. I do think there's going to be a lot of never going to do that again. That person, we all have that guy in our fans, not going to draft him again. That guy with Christian McCaffrey, which fine. If you're not going to draft him again, just let him keep falling down the board to me. But McCaffrey's a, he's really tricky because unlike Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley banged up, gets on the field, eh, not always the best. Christian McCaffrey, every time he stepped foot on a football field, even in the wave of all of these injuries, has been phenomenal. So even if you get, let's say, you're not going to get 17 games, right? Let's say you get 13 games of Christian McCaffrey. That still is very worth where you're drafting him. He could still be a top three fantasy running back with 13 games, but can you get that? That's the biggest question. Now, the one thing they do have to their advantage in Carolina this year is you do have Deontay Foreman along with Chuba Hubbard, two really viable guys, not just as handcuffs, but guys who can take that snap share and 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 reduce it, not completely slice it up, but reduce it for McCaffrey. Not 95% of the snaps, but 65 to 70. He doesn't need to be on the field for 95% of the snaps to be hyper effective. So I think that's working. But to answer your question, though, I feel like the second running back off the board, the third player overall, is very aggressive for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exactly there with him. I actually am ranked at RB five right now, Ooh. which would put him as the sixth player off the board because the only wideout I have ahead of him is uh, is obviously Cooper Cup, 
And then it's really close with Chase and Jefferson, but it is quite aggressive on McCaffrey. Are you surprised there are three wide receivers going inside the top five? No. Really? Not in that format. Are you surprised? Yeah, not in that format. Are you surprised Jamar Chase is second? Because if you had to put a, let's say, 60-40, 50-50, 70-30, whatever it might be, what are the chances T. Higgins outscores Jamar Chase this year in fantasy? I uh, would give him probably about 30% chance, give All or take. All right, that's, that's, lower. Higgins that, was... that, that's lower than I would have thought. So he's, he was almost non-existent to start the season. And then even when he scored well down the stretch, Jamar Chase still scored almost just as well. So I think it's going to be tough. And, and, and here's why in best ball, I think it makes sense for Chase to be going ahead of Jefferson. Chase has already shown in one season that he has a weekly ceiling that is as high as Tyreek Hills. And Tyreek Hill is, is always, he's been my measuring stick of like, he is the highest ceiling player out there because any given week, Hill could go and put up 350 receiving yards and five touchdowns and be like, well, you know, it was bound to happen one of these days. So Chase kind of, he has that. He showed it at the end of regu the regular season last year, whereas Jefferson gives you a much higher floor. Like I kind of dig Jefferson almost a little bit more Redraft wise, I have him actually two and chase at three among wide receivers for redraft, but I'm not going to argue against this for, for best ball. So if with Cup, Chase, and Jefferson all at the top, are those three a clear cut above every other one of the receivers? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, there's one other guy who is in, incredibly skilled, and I think he's the best wide receiver in the NFL, but he did switch teams, and he went from a surefire Hall of Fame you know, first ballot uh, in Aaron Rodgers to this generation's Phillip Rivers in, in Derek Carr, which is not a bad thing, but it's a downgrade for Devontae Adams. If Adams stayed in Green Bay, it would be he'd be right there. He'd be ahead of the other the two young guys, the two LSU guys, and would be right there with Cooper Cup. So, but I do think there's a slight drop off. I think they do throw the ball a bunch this year. Derek Carr threw the ball well over 600 times last year. 
they do have Waller, Renfro to eat up some targets. But, I mean, you make this move, this power move. You make this move. You spend all this money to get his boy, his college-wide receiver. They're going to throw the ball to Adams a whole bunch. But I do have him at four. Uh, so, yeah, he is he is behind them. I guess, yeah, you would say that's kind of like the, the top tier. And then Adams is really, really close. But the way they're being drafted currently, it's Adams, Diggs, and C.D. Lamb, boom, 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 with Debo Samuel right there as well as this like next part of a mini tier of wide receivers. I, with all the Debo offseason stuff that has taken place so far, and it looks like he's going back to San Francisco. He's not going to be traded. I wouldn't worry too much about that. And with Trey Lance expected to take over at quarterback, do you think that they still use him as this hybrid running back type player? Because it seemed like he didn't really like that. The wide back, as uh, Kyle Shanahan called him. Well, I can't blame him for not liking that because, you know, what what really hurts the longevity of running backs in the NFL is all the hits they take. So if you're carrying the ball, you carry the ball a couple times on a jet sweep during the course of the season, okay, whatever. But if you're carrying a ball five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a game, that's a different scenario. Now, my, my prediction, by the way, Pat, here's how I think this plays out. They don't get a deal done. Then they get to the, you know, the off season and it's evident that they'll have to tag him. They will tag him. Debo Samuel will refuse to sign the tag. And the only option then really for San Francisco would be a tag and trade, which is exactly what Green Bay just did with Devontae Adams. And they'll probably fetch themselves some something pretty good. But anybody out there worried about him not playing the current CBA in the NFL it really stacks the deck against players holding out because they are fined and, you know, he's not making a lot on this contract. So those fines will eat up his contract very, very quickly. So he's going to show up. He's going to play. He may not be entirely, uh, what's the opposite of disgruntled gruntled. Uh, he may not be entirely gruntled during the season, but, uh, I do think he plays through the year and he's just as good as he was last year. I just hope they don't use him as much as a running back. They did draft the kid, uh, Ty Davis-Price, out out of LSU to hopefully spell a little bit in that backfield. Elijah Mitchell is there. They still have Jeff Wilson. They still have Trey Sermon. So hopefully they don't have to use Samuel as much out of that backfield. Is it that they don't need to use him as much, or he was just so effective out of the backfield? Because the one major part I think that people don't, or just didn't clue into them is that when he started becoming a guy who carries the ball six to eight times a game through the second half of the season, he was scoring touchdowns and that was saving his weeks, but his receiving basically outside of that one Tennessee game fell off the map. So if he wasn't using, if he wasn't scoring touchdowns based on the volume that he was getting in the receiving game, the targets were way down. He wasn't scoring touchdowns there that he would have been kind of useless for the hype that was behind him. I just, I worry that if they keep that up and the touchdowns, especially around the goal line, or even the ones that came from further than that, don't materialize this year, is that he's going to be wildly disappointing. It's a viable concern, and it, it's a great call out by you. It's something that flies under the radar for a lot of people. You're exactly right. Without that usage, you know, the targets in the passing game, he was really a, he was a wide receiver too, and that was even scoring the touchdowns. He was not a top 10 guy in those weeks. The other dynamic that we have to add to this equation, though, is that they go from Jimmy Garoppolo, who is not really a mobile quarterback, to Trey Lance, who's a hyper-mobile quarterback. So that could take some of the heat off as well. 
I, I do think that's something you do have to consider, though. If you're drafting him, you have to be prepared for the fact that there could be weeks if he's used heavily out of the backfield where you're not going to be happy. Hey, he has, say, one catch for 12 yards. All right, what's at 2.2 uh, uh, points, right? And then he carries the ball eight times for 50 yards. That's not a good fantasy week. He, there's no touchdowns in there. That's not a good fantasy week at all. So it's a viable concern. It, it's funny because the two, the three weeks that I'm really looking at here, and this is when San Francisco went on their big win streak, uh, and they ended up winning, what is it, seven of eight games to end the season, end up making the playoffs, probably should have made the Super Bowl. If you know, people can catch the ball on defense, that would have been nice uh, for some of my future bets that I had on the go. But looking at it against the Rams, like this was probably the best combo game outside of the Tennessee game that I had mentioned that he had. Against the Rams that week, they won 31-10. to Debo was five for five in terms of catches and targets, 97 yards and a touchdown, five for 36 on the ground with a touchdown. That is fantastic. That probably makes him wide receiver one if he was to do that every single week, except for Cooper Cup and his 30 million targets every single week. Either way, we get into a stretch against Jacksonville, Minnesota, and Cincinnati where one catch on two targets for 15 yards, one catch on four targets for 12 yards, one catch and one target for 22 yards. Now, he scored four rushing touchdowns over that time, an average seven carries a game, and around like 59 yards per game on the ground that's great and everything but again you take out those touchdowns and that's a miserable fantasy week yeah exactly that's like what that's that essentially becomes when nick chubb doesn't score a touchdown how his fantasy weeks look i call that the Derek dilemma it's Derek henry right Derek henry goes 20 for 95 it's a good day of rushing no catches, no touchdowns. Derrick Henry is not an elite running back with that type of number. So you get the Debo dilemma here with this. Do you think it's worth the lofty pick that you're going to have to spend on him right now? Because we can see where the upside comes from. I, I just feel like there's too many question marks and red flags that go around this. And that's one that I'm willing to be wrong on. Now, it doesn't mean don't draft Debo Samuel. It's don't draft Debo Samuel at pick number 16. Yeah, well... I'm looking at where I have him ranked overall. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I'm at 22 overall, so yeah, I'm a, I guess I'm a little bit lower than than where he's going. Like with with a he's bang, one of those guys. With people a, love him though. Uh, listen, it's it is fun to own him in fantasy. It is the he's the anti Marvin Harrison when it comes down <laughs> to that. Where Marv's just going to get you eight for 89 and a touchdown every single week. Plus, he's going to have some big games, but you just know what you're getting. I, I mean, Cooper Cup is the elevated version of that because he's like 11 for 113 and two touchdowns every single week. But after a while, the consistency becomes boring. It was like owning Jamar Chase last year. It was awesome to own Jamar Chase and watch football and know this guy is winning you money and winning you weeks. It was just fun to be a part of. Debo was exactly the same way. You know who's not that way? Who's probably a better pick with Chris Godwin banged up coming into the year? Mike Evans, as weird as that sounds. He has now become quiet consistency guy who's really good and might be in his best position in ages. Yeah, <laughs> with Brady back, that's for sure. I, I thought you were going to say Stephon Diggs, who people are forgetting he had 103 catches last year and 10 touchdowns. Everybody's thinking Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis. All right, fine. Let's uh, let's let you think that Stephon Diggs had one of the best seasons of his career. And he's like, yes, he's being drafted. It's not like he's being drafted in the 10th round, but he's not a lot of chatter about him. And and again, like your, your guy too, not a lot of chatter about Mike Evans, who... 
all, all he does is put up thousand yard seasons. All, all he does is get high ADOT targets as well. The high upside ADOT targets that he's getting. There's a lot to like there. And Brady still hasn't lost anything. He may be, you know, 45 years old, but he hasn't lost anything at all. And another year with him in that system. I, I, I like Evans a lot as well. I can't, I can't disagree with you there. Normally we talk about the dead zone for running backs where you get to like the basically the middle of the third round for the ninth round, maybe you'll find a gem or two, but most of them are washed up running backs who you don't really want. But everyone knows that now. So it does feel like it shifted a little bit that I'm looking at this certain range, basically in the mid-50s of picks overall, that feels kind of like a wide receiver dead zone. And there's two in particular that stick out. We just talked about Gabriel Davis. He's going at pick number 55. Juju Smith-Schuster, now on the Chiefs, is going at pick number 54 in draft, on DraftKings right now. That seems way too high for both those guys. I get the excitement for Gabe Davis, especially what he did in the playoffs when Kansas City said, you know what? We're going to make sure Steph Diggs isn't doing anything, thus allowing him to roam free with no one on him across the field, and he absolutely lights it up. Like, yes, we talked about consistency versus upside, but that feels like there's a lot of downside with Gabriel Davis right there in the you know back end of the fourth round, early fifth round. I like him more than Juju, even in this system, because it feels like you're paying for all the upside with Juju. At least it does feel like Gabriel Davis has a place to go where he could be you know a fringe wide receiver one, mid-tier wide receiver two, if everything breaks right. That just feels like a big investment for you. Though. Those guys are going ahead of DK Metcalf. I don't really care who Metcalf's quarterback is. That still seems shocking to me. I Davis is way too high as far, but uh, of course Twitter has told me Pat that I am way too low on Davis I have him at 36 among wide receivers and it's you know I, I think pretty fair he's a wide receiver three he he had a big game and it was a massively massive big game but he's still a somewhat unproven guy you know in the grand scheme of things who is not going to be the first fiddle, It'll certainly be the second fiddle. They did bring Jameson Crowder and they drafted Khalil Shakir. They still have Isaiah McKenzie. They still have Dawson Knox. They drafted James Cook. I mean, there's a lot of mouths to feed. So I feel like, yes, there can be some big Gabe Davis weeks. And then there's going to be Gabe Davis weeks where he doesn't do much at all. And the problem that people have now, this is best ball. So it's a little different. You're not you know, since you're not setting your starting lineup, you're not intently focused on every last little bit of production from these guys. But folks in season long, if he's going to go that high, Pat, I see it happening right now. Gabe Davis goes out and has two bad games in a row. He sucks and all that. And then I'm going to drop him and like, just know what you're signing up for. If you do draft him, it could be a big roller coaster ride where the highs are going to be very high, but the lows could lose you a couple weeks as well. If you're if you're going to draft now, as far as Juju is concerned, it's a complete opposite. I don't see very high highs or low lows, but I'm also a little bit concerned. Anytime he's really had to be the guy among the wide receivers, he kind of has faltered. Now he's had a couple obviously very big seasons. He did one of them when he was definitively the number two, and Antonio Brown was locked in as the number one for the Steelers. The other one was when Deontay Johnson emerged as Ben Roethlisberger's favorite target two seasons ago. So Juju was sort of in the background there. I I, I feel like drafting him in this range is very very bullish, 
but it could pan out. It's just who gets the rock there other than Travis Kelsey. Is it him? Is it Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Is it rookie Sky Moore? Is it McCole Hardman? Or is it every single one of them any given week and we'll just never know? And I think that's probably the most likely. I agree with you. That's probably the most likely outcome as well. And in terms of best ball ADP, especially at this time of year, because those are where the majority of drafts are going to be done. So that's the best source to pull and try to figure out these trends and where guys are going. I do think it's pretty relatable over the season long because when people start searching, ADPs and rankings. This is what they're going to see first, and then they'll have to adjust off that. So some of this is going to translate over, whether it be 10 picks, five picks, whatever it might be, you get like as a plus minus on some of these guys. I do think it's going to be pretty accurate, at least in the sense of where guys are being drafted or who they're being drafted around. So you have Juju and Gabriel Davis in the mid fifties. That's around DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, DK Metcalf, Jerry, Judy, and Brendan Cooks. Brendan Cooks is going at pick 60. Brendan Cooks might be the best of all those guys I just named. No respect, man. Is he the Rodney Dangerfield of this group? What's going on there? All he did last year is go out and have his most consistent, that was always the knock on him, most consistent fantasy season, and he did it with Terod Taylor and Davis Mills as his quarterback. And he did it largely because there was nobody else to throw the ball to. And it's not that there's nobody else now. Like Nico Collins hopefully takes a step forward. And I, I think Mechie is, John Mechie is a really intriguing young player, but he's also coming off a major injury and may not be ready for the start of the season. So there's still pretty much nobody to throw the football to and not much has changed. The team made sure they re-upped on Brandon Cooks as well. I like guys like that, though. You mentioned Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson two years ago was a guy like that. Nobody wanted him. Nobody wanted him. And you could draft him as a 30th wide receiver off the board, and he ended up finishing as a top 10 fantasy receiver that year. So why not? Like, if, if everybody else is fearful, be greedy with those types of players. Brandon Cooks is a prime example. I think that our Run the Sims projections are low on the market share of targets for Brennan Cooks right now. 24% is what he is... In. I think that there is a world where he sees 30 plus percent of this team's targets. That's a big number. It is, That's but, but you listen to the guys that you just rattled off. Nico Collins, John Michi, Alanis Dorsett, Chris Conley, Deshaun Hamilton, Brevin Jordan, and Pharaoh Brown at tight end. Like, well, if I was Davis Mills, I know who I would throw to. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And what I really liked about Cooks last year, as I said, is he strung it all together. Like, he was notorious in fantasy for being the guy who would go out, have a two-touchdown, 150-yard game, and then the next week literally could have zero points. Like, no catches. He's done it. It's happened. But he didn't do that last year. So, yeah, I agree. I don't – I'm 30%. That's a massive target share, but – you know, maybe maybe I'll, I'll split the difference on you. I could see 27%. I could certainly – and that's still enormous – even on a team like that where you – I mean, you can't have too much confidence in Davis Mills, but then by the same token, you do have to have confidence that they are playing from behind a lot and Sim- going to have to throw the football a lot. Simply adjusting him up to a 27% market share in our projections right now without changing anything in terms of touchdown rate, uh, overall passing rate from the Texans, moves him up to wide receiver number 12. So a low-end <laughs> wide receiver one. Uh, he was at 17 before we made that adjustment. And I'm still looking at projections by our positions and looking at the overall target share this year. Like, that would bump him up to fourth in overall targets. I think that makes sense. Like, it, one of the best calls I ever had, and I have so few that I always have to bring it up, was splurging on Mike Evans 
that that first year when it was just him. I think Keaton McCardell was just gone. Like, who else are they going to throw to? And it was his first, like, big, big season. And it's almost shaping up like Mike Evans' resurgence 2.0 with the way that things are shaping up in Tampa Bay now, depending on how you feel about Gronk or Russell Gage or the return of Chris Godwin in that circumstance. But those guys could just be target factories, like somewhere between 135 and 155 targets doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility to me. And I think it's a great call out because, you know, a lot of times player fantasy players will really fall for a guy, but he's in a situation where he's not going to eat. Like, and I think of Albert O, the, you know, the tight end for the Broncos right now as one of those guys. You just mentioned Jerry Judy. Okay, Jerry Judy is there. Cortland Sutton's there. Tim Patrick, who is a very good number three, is there. K.J. Hamler is there four if he's healthy, is there. You have two running backs out of the backfield who can catch the football. There is one football. There's just not enough meat on the bone as opposed to the Brandon Cooks is like the exact opposite scenario. Man, there's so much meat on the the, the bone, and and yeah, there's one football, but it's only going to him. And you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Godwin ulti- ultimately here. I don't know what's going to happen with Gronk. I mean, he's not under contract, and he may not come back. And if he doesn't come back, then that's even more targets that'll funnel that way because they're not going to go to Cameron Braid or Kate Otten. Uh, by the way, Bucks fans are, have been telling me like Kate Otten, they drafted him to replace Gronk. Uh, my comp was Cameron Brait for Kate Otten. So I, I don't think that he was, he's there to replace Gronk long-term. I think it's Brait long-term. Uh, but regardless, yeah, I think that's a great thing to look for on these depth charts. Who's there? Uh, what's the pathway to high volume? And then Pat, you just did the like uber easy exercise. All right, let's just increase. Let's say he gets closer to his ceiling. It's maybe not 30%, but 27%. And then boom, you just the, your ROI on where you're drafting Brandon Cooks right now is through the roof. That's taking advantage of value. The other target monster type guys that I'm surprised at where they're going, I'm gonna actually look him up right now just to just to make sure that I'm not crazy on this. And when I thought I saw his ADP earlier of why yeah, it's ADP number 42. Deontay Johnson really sticks out as that guy as well in Pittsburgh. He was already that guy. And look, I know Ben's a Hall of Famer. He won two Super Bowls. He's passed for millions of yards throughout the course of his career. Anything is an upgrade from Ben of last year. Anything. I don't care if it's Trubisky. I don't care who they end up starting week one. But it's got to be a better situation for him. I don't think it's Trubisky. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) They gave Trubisky a backup contract, and they drafted a quarterback in the first round. I mean, you don't have to be able to read tea leaves to to get the message here. It's pretty simple. Now, Pickett still has to go out. And is that the worst name like some of these guys have like quarterback names they were brought up like this you're just going to be a quarterback with that name kid his name is can he pick it like seriously like anyway uh he is he's a better player than Mitchell Trubisky and I I don't get where I I feel like I'm being trolled on Twitter with all the people who are like supporting Mitchell Trubisky and maybe I'm not in on that joke but you don't draft a quarterback in the first round and give a guy backup money if you plan on starting that guy it's very likely going to be Pickett. And you mentioned Deontay Johnson. Well, they did also, I mean, they, they brought in Pickens. Uh, the kid from Georgia, Pickens. Pickett to Pickens. I mean, that makes Pickett, a lot of logical Pickens. sense. But I'm not sweating. Like, he can have Chase Claypool's target share. Like, Johnson, yeah. Firemouth. 
they're going to be fine. But Johnson's just going to be soaking all this up. Like, we only have met a one, uh, 23% target share right now, which is you know, lower, really, than where he's been over the past couple seasons. Uh, he's right around that range. That's still a bit on the low side. And then looking at overall targets, that puts him inside the top 12 overall. And if you buy narrative, uh, the narrative right now out of Pittsburgh is that he will not be on this team next year. You know, th- this group of wide receivers. So A.J. Brown just recently set the market uh, of expectation for this group. So D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, Devo Samuel, they're all in that boat. And, and it's just a phenomenal wide receiver class. But I don't see the Steelers spending that money. And it's going to have to take $25 million on average uh, to get there, maybe even slightly more than that. I could see them tagging him next year. Maybe that's a that's a possibility here. But he is playing for money on top of it. So if you buy that type of contract year narrative, it applies to Deontay Johnson this year. Follow him on the Twitter machine at Jeff Radcliffe. What do you have out so far at FTM Fantasy? And what should be uh, we expecting coming up very soon? Sure. Yeah, so much. Uh, rankings, projections, all that fun stuff's been up there for a while. If you still want to circle back to the rookie guide, we have that there. It's It's really geared towards dynasty leagues, but you can... Get full profiles on all of this year's class to get up to speed if you haven't been paying that much attention for your redraft leagues. My draft guide will be coming out in a few weeks here. Oh, boy. Still have a lot to write there. But uh, if you want to get behind a paywall, the Platinum subscription, use the promo code RATPACK, R-A-T-P-A-C-K, for 20% off. It's a great deal. I'm cheap. I love saving money, and this is a great way to save some money. There you go. You can go to runthesims.com, completely free for your season-long and best ball NFL projections. Right now, just type in your email address, and boom, you have yourself an account, and you can save all your projections along the way. Again, that's runthesims.com. Check out the Mayo Media Network for more fantasy football coverage and Celi and I went through everything with the rookies so far you can find that down in the description there's brand new football more to come very soon so stay on the network and check that out and set those reminders smash the like on the way out too and of course the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast feeds where you can find a lot of this stuff I'm Pat Mayo thank you all for watching I'll see you next time This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.